Hey everyone, welcome to Brothers in Laud. My name is D.T. Gallagher and this is my brother-in-law. C.J. Carson. And we are brothers in law. Yep. <laughs> and brothers in the Lord. In the Lord. And uh, what better podcast name than that? I can't think of one. Apostrophe D. <laughs> man. Hey, how are you doing, man? Dude, glad to be here. Yeah? Yeah, how about you? What do you, th- what do you say about doing this monthly? Yeah, I'd be down with that. Yeah? Okay, good. Good, good. I think it's going to be great. Um, CJ, why don't we talk about first, like, who are we? Who are we? Tell, tell some people about yourself and just... Well, aside from being DT's brother-in-law and brother in the Lord, um, I'm a grad from NC State. I stuck with them and I do agricultural research with them. Uh, as far as any kind of ministry thing goes, just another layman, foot soldier. We need him. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? We need him. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> yeah, I uh, work at a church. We just uh, changed our name, actually, from Colonial Baptist Church to The Shepherd's Church. All right. Love it. And I work in student ministry. I'm a student ministry associate, and I would actually consider myself more like a, um, what do they call those? Uh, no, Swiss Army knife. You know, I kind of do mm. everything. I lead worship, I preach, I teach, administrative duty. I'm more than a layman, I guess. Guess but at so. the same time, I am a layman. Hope um, they're paying you enough for all that. No. <laughs> That's why I have an office right now. There you go. <laughs> well, all right. We just wanted to introduce ourselves to our listeners first, but we need to answer a question first on uh, why. Why this podcast, CJ? Like, why are we doing a, a podcast? And like, what does brothers-in-law have anything to do with what we're going to be discussing, <laughs> if anything? Yeah, I don't know, but it sounded fun. <laughs> Actually, our name has nothing to do with our theme, but that's okay. It's just who we are. No, but we thought it would be really good to take um, just a look at video games, which we both love to play. Mm. And I think our relationship with video games Amen. says a lot <laughs> about who we are. Because old DT here, he's the guy that has the PS5. That's right. He gets new games as they come out. Uh, careful. He gets new games closer to when they come out than I do. Okay. Whereas I'm the guy who just got a PS4, and I get introduced to great games 10 years after the fact by DT. Yeah. What would you do without me? Oh, it'd be... It'd You'd be, still be playing your Xbox that doesn't... Uh, it can't eject the swallowed the Witcher on me. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. So, you know, one idea that you and me had, we kicked, the, we kicked the can down the street so many times about recording a podcast. We talked about, hey, we need to talk about our books. We need to talk about music and movies and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. Where, and then video games. Video games was always something that kind of, like, put us together. Um, yeah. But uh, you know the Gospel Coalition. We love we love that website. Mm-hmm. We love that that ministry that they have there. But you know, Brett McCracken, that guy. He's always doing uh, he's doing reviews with of movies, of TV shows, and equating how like the gospel kind of fits into that narrative, right? How, what kind of worldviews are we extracting from these like hit movies, <clears throat> and how how can the gospel kind of fulfill those and yeah. all this other stuff? And or how like, does it critique them? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we thought, uh, I actually just looked it up, 3.1 billion people play video games to this day. That's almost half the population Yeah, in the entire world. And uh, we just don't see a, we don't see an outlet, we don't see anybody kind of doing the same thing that, you know, the evangelical community is doing with like TV shows and movies. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I think there's still sort of a slowness to accept video games as like an appropriate media I totally for the agree with that. community believers. Let's take it a step further. Uh, I don't think they're willing to say that that's art. Yeah, 
right? Yeah, I think that would be correct. So here's um, here's an excerpt from Gospel Coalition that uh, we found that I think is um, it's 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 interesting. Let me just read this. It's great art offers us fresh perspective. It provokes us to think and it challenges us with hard questions and uncomfortable realities. Right? This is the same thing with video games. Video yeah. games are doing these things. They're I mean, case in point, Cyberpunk 2077, right? The video game that just came out in December. A lot of bugs and everything else. Yeah. And shout out to Girlfriend Reviews for reviewing <laughs> that. We're so thankful for them. But Shout out to them for all their reviews. <laughs> I mean, talk about uncomfortable realities and just like things that are depicted in that game. Like people yeah. will get are uncomfortable with some of the things that are happening. It's like, okay, but what is that video game trying to say? This is art. The video game is trying to communicate yeah. something, right? Yeah, let me go on with that quote. It says, it teaches us how to pay attention to the beauty and wonder around us, arousing us from the stupor of everyday life to appreciate the signs of glory all around. Again, this is video games. Video games do this, and we get the opportunity to keep dying over and over in a video game just to repeat the level over again. I'm thinking of you, Celeste. That game about killed me. Um, But specifically today, we're talking about Uncharted. And, you know, Uncharted 4, Thieves in... And how Uncharted 4 fits into that narrative of art, mm-hmm. you know? So did you want to add any more of like just... Well, I just more about video games being art. I would almost say they're a very special sort of branch of art because art is real. It wants to take an honest, truthful look at reality. It doesn't necessarily tell you what should and shouldn't be. It just says what is. Right. And then it kind of leaves you to wrestle with the tensions. Well, I think video games take that a step further because that's interactive art. Sure. That's stuff like, well, I love watching a movie. I love reading a good book. Yeah. But like, you just don't get to interact with them on the same level as point. you do a video game. Right. We're pulling the trigger. Yeah. We're making the decision. Yeah. You know, um, and we're the ones that are kind of like interpreting. Mm-hmm. Like the application and the interpretation <clears throat> is left to us. Right? right. And we're actually really like experiencing that. Yeah. So uh, that's why we're doing this podcast. Is we, I mean, we, we're big believers, not only just you and me, obviously 3.1, uh, 3.1 billion other people think it's art. Maybe they don't necessarily sit on their couch or like fire up yeah. their PS3 yeah. or PS4, PS5, if <laughs> you're lucky enough to get one. But they're not going to be like, okay, I can't wait to see what art, you know, gives me today. But yeah, but I think to that point, that kind of, I don't know, that to me makes it all the better. They're not sitting down like, I want to take a organic look at whatever this first person shoot or whatever like it's just something fun to do and while they're doing this fun thing like they're finding themselves just bombarded with all these thoughts and ideas and they're wrestling with them on some level sure maybe they didn't start out to do it that way but it'll seep in at some point yep i totally agree i totally agree and like i mean i just think about like the game inside you know like i remember the first time you played that game right and like (laughs) we can't even do a spoiler alert uh spoiler um, on this podcast, I, it's too good for anybody to be spoiled. But it like, is. there's one point in that game that you just like, what is happening, right? And like, yeah, about every five minutes for me, <laughs> that was. But it's like that game just naturally just causes you to wonder what is going on. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, it, it makes you like, what's being communicated here? Like, yeah. especially in this, you know exactly what I'm talking about in that part of the game that you're just like. I don't even know what's happening, but we need to figure that out. It and, it, think. and it doesn't tell you what's going on. <laughs> it wants you to wrestle with it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's why that game keeps me up at night even now. Right. All right. At the very end, you don't know it's done until the camera just keeps like going back and back and back. And then all of a sudden the credits roll and you're like, that was it? Well, <laughs> all right then. <laughs> what just happened? You know? Yeah. Fantastic. So um, what is this podcast going to look like monthly? 
uh, actually, we just kind of showed our hand. It's going to be a monthly podcast. Why Why is it going to be monthly podcast, CJ? That's about as quick a turnaround as we could do <laughs> and take a game and, you know, get through the main storyline, but yet have some time to flesh out some finer points of the game, really get to step in the character's shoes, not just burn through it in a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. I listen to a podcast called Min Max, and they do, uh, they do game clubs. Well, it's not called a game club. It's called The Deepest Dive, right? And I was actually just listening to the host talk about they're, they just did a deepest dive on cyberpunk and it was four episodes. Like, so they did mm-hmm. like three of the act one, act two, <laughs> act three. So with each act, they did a podcast and it was about two and a half, three hours long, but then they did a fourth one for side quests and they didn't even scratch the surface actually. And Ben talked about, he's never doing that again. He's never doing a, uh, an open world game for a deepest dive because there's just too much, you know? Yeah. Whereas you and me on charter four today that which we're talking about. We're not necessarily that. That's linear. Yeah. But next month we're gonna be looking at Ghost of Tsushima, which is open world, and um, you're a you have a daily job. <laughs> you're a church layman. <laughs> that takes up a lot of time. <laughs> and we're uh, both married. Yes, but I mean, obviously, we both have jobs. We can't just yeah. We don't have the luxury of necessarily just kind of reviewing games for the heck of it. Yeah. We love them. But we're gonna we're gonna need some uh, more time. And as a matter of fact, uh, I like I finished our charter pretty late, <laughs> so yeah, I finished our charter today. There's grace for that, though. I know, That's but right. I've already beaten it four times, so it's okay. I was just trying to get my. We'll just go there, I guess. I know, I know. Slight flex on you. So, um, yeah, but like, what's this uh, podcast gonna look like monthly for us? So what we'd like to do is break down each game that we're playing, um, but in the same way, a lot of people want to. Um, you know, go through books and movies and they just want to see kind of what ideas are coming out of it. What does it challenge you on? We want to take a gospel-centered worldview of what's happening in these games. So, you know, worldview is, to break it down most simply, how you view the world. (laughs) What baseline assumptions do you make about humanity? Why are we here? What do we do in struggle? What do we do in victory? Yep. Uh, Yeah. And so then we have our Christian worldview, you know, as followers of Christ. And, I mean, to break the gospel down most simply, that's what 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ died for our sins and rose again. So we believe that all of humanity is made in God's image. And because of that, there's lots of good that will come from humanity. And yet, we're in a broken world. It's fallen from sin. Right. Um, but Christ came to redeem that. So there's going to be a lot of push and pull, a lot of tensions between bad things that are happening are any of these things redeemable? If so, how are they redeemable? And that's kind of the way zoomed out lens that we're going to try to, you know, nail down some ideas and themes, tease out from these video games. Yep. Right. We're going to juxtapose, what is this game communicating? Yeah. But how how does the gospel communicate to that? Or how can it fulfill that, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that's going to be super interesting as we as we go, you know, because obviously... And I, I think you made a good point. I mean, there good things are going to come out because these image bearers that, well, <clears throat> image bearers, everybody is an image bearer, right? Yeah. Everybody is the Imago Dei, the image of God. And so, you know, we're looking at a team like Naughty Dog. Uh, probably a lot of them aren't believers, but like they have made a good thing in a video game. And yeah. we want to extract stuff like that, but we also want to take a closer look and just being like, how is like these things, like how are they subconsciously like, you know, molding us mm-hmm. and making us think and stuff like that. Yeah, I can't remember which 
big famous pastor said it, but he basically said like every movie you watch, every book you read, every TV show you watch, every one of those is a sermon. Mm -hmm. What's being preached doing that sermon. And not that anyone's intentionally making a game to preach at anyone. I mean, I guess they they might at some point. That that would probably be a less fun video game. But nonetheless, you know, we... You encounter these ideas and you have to wrestle with them. Exactly, exactly. So we're um, we're excited about doing that kind of stuff, yeah. and we're even going to kind of talk about like questions of like, should we play this game? Yeah, <laughs> like as Christians and like just just for some background, I grew up in a house like my mom never even let me have a game with like guns. Okay, and so like I had to like I had some money and I gave it to my friend. Like this was in middle school, and like his brother then got me Graph the Auto, and so like. I'd be playing Grand Theft Auto at home, you know, and uh, Grand Theft Auto like three, Vice City and uh, San Andreas, and like when my mom got home, I would take the disc out and put like the, put the case in the very back of my like dresser, you know, like that's where I came from, right? And like, but my mom had specific reasons. She was like, I don't like violence. I don't want violence shaping you. I think she's onto something though. Like that's where we're kind of getting on. Like, hey, look. Maybe shooting a cop in a video game isn't really, you're not thinking like so consciously that this is affecting me, but subconsciously it is doing something. Too, sure. Right? And um, <laughs> we're probably not going to look at Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> More than likely not. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe we would. I don't know. We'll kind of uh, get there when we get there. And like that's even a more interesting question yeah. on should we play something like that or should we not? So. We're going to yeah. be kind of doing stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, and then you talk about how you came up on video games. I grew up with them, I guess. I was never that serious about them. But I grew up in your more traditional, even cultural kind of Christianity, where there were certain views on, you know, sex and violence and swearing and all these things. But then you would, you know, you go home after Sunday and you watch a movie and it's definitely got violence and language in it. Maybe no sex. And so it's just kind of interesting to see, you know, mm-hmm. like I can play a video game with violence and language in it, and then maybe something sexual comes. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know how much of that was influenced by like just the culture I came up in, but then how much of what we're looking at is influenced by what we read in Scripture. Mm, yeah. So, no, That's good. Yeah, and you grew up playing Halo, and I didn't, and Halo 1's not a good game. So, Well, thanks, everyone. That's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we played that not too long ago, <laughs> and I, that level design sucks. So bad. Okay, so introductions. That's Here's, what we're gonna do. Thanks for that. <laughs> we're uh, that's the podcast that we're gonna we're gonna be, and we're gonna do this monthly. So uh, we hope you guys join us for this ride. But all that aside, now we're gonna kind of talk about the game that we're gonna talk about today: Uncharted for a Thieves' End. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, the developer Naughty Dog created this game. Now, Naughty Dog, you probably remember them from Jack and Dexter or Crash Bandicoot. Um, I'm trying to think of some more other games that they had. I think those were mostly Jack and Dexter really started propelling them, like into like fan, like famous land, you know, kind of stuff like that. They're starting to get known, and then they made Uncharted, uh, Drake's Fortune. Sorry about that. Uncharted Drake's Fortune, I think it came out in 2007 to 2008. So it was around when the two, uh, when the PS3 came out. Mm-hmm. And that's when they really started taking this turn on like, hey, we're going to kind of build something like Indiana Jones-esque. And, I, you know, the, uh, the attention and the feedback that Drake's Fortune got was pretty good. But it was among thieves. Uncharted 2 among thieves that like... Naughty Dog has really just blown up. I mean... When we, and now when we when we say Naughty Dog, what do we think of? 
Like Last of Us. <laughs> we think of the Last of Us every like, time. That is that is the one thing that like blew them up as far as like, hey, they know how to write. The yeah. animations are amazing. I mean, it's just crazy. Like you're shining a a flashlight in Ellie's eyes and she's like sticking up her hand to block hmm. the light. And she's yeah. like, hey, quit it. You know, stuff like that. We've never really seen that before. Um, and, you know, people kind of, I feel like on two sides, you, you got people on this side that go, hey, Uncharted, or The Last of Us, it's not a really good game. You know, it's not really groundbreaking the storytelling. And then you got these other people on the other side that are like, no, that's like the best story that I've ever, you know, realized. I would probably say it's one of the best stories I've ever, you know, gone through. For sure. And I think it just makes it more powerful. We've talked about it, us being human agency in the game. Like, we're making the, well, I know it's a linear game, but we're the ones kind of going through all of that. So, but, I mean, Last of Us Part Two came out this year, and it won the game of uh, the, game of the year. Mm-hmm. It's, Last of Us is, like, <laughs> huge, but in 2016, Uncharted 4 came out. Yeah. So, were you going to add something? Well, I mean, just that Last of Us was my introduction to knowing Naughty Dog. Right. I hadn't really heard of them before. Yep. So to me, I mean, I know they did these other games, but to me, they're just this epic group of linear games that all should be made into movies. Yeah. So you're probably wondering, like, why did we choose Uncharted 4 then? You know, like, yeah. we, we uh, for you, we, um, that, that was like the first game I made you play, like, The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was like, dude, you gotta play this game, and you couldn't put it down. Oops. But... For the Uncharted 4, we we wanted to take Uncharted 4 first. Uh, we'll get to The Last of Us pretty soon. Uh, we need to play The Last of Us Part 2 again and all this other kind of stuff. But um, Uncharted 4, girlfriend reviews, you know, they said it's one of the f- best games to watch. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more either, okay? Now, this is the interesting thing. CJ, why don't you read off their, uh, what Naughty Dog specializes in, right? Well, per their website... Um, they specialize in evocative, character-driven storytelling. Hmm. And they do such a good job making characters that you are genuinely interested in. Yeah. They seem very human. And then they put them in a lot of really tight spots. And, I mean, they just react like real people. Yeah. Like, there's no clear-cut good guy. There's no clear-cut, like, bad hat or black hat, excuse me. Yeah. You know, um, lots of gray, lots of moral questioning. And, I mean, that's real life. You care about these characters. Yeah. I mean, specifically, we're going to talk about Elena. We're going to talk about Sully and Sam and yeah. Nate, obviously, but, like, mm-hmm. we care for these people. Like, it's like, we know who they are. You know, like, Elena and, like, Nate, they're real people for us. Mm-hmm. Um, if we were to talk about the last of us, it's like, Joel and Ellie, like, they are real yeah. people to us, you know? Yeah. And, like, something happens to them, like, we are heartbroken or we empathize with them or... You know, it, it, it's, that's why, like, we, that kind of answers our question of, like, why is Naughty Dog such a huge, you know, a success? It's that. It, like, they make these believable characters. And not only that, but, like, they are known for, like, you know, Sony does give them the budget to do all this animation work. Um, man, I mean, it's just crazy. We'll kind of talk about this, but this game looks amazing. Uncharted 4 yeah. is just super amazing. Now, this is an interesting quote for from Game Informer. Which we'll probably get from our our sources and all that from Game Informer. We love them. Shout out. <laughs> Shop at GameStop. They're not that bad. <laughs> that could be really controversial. But l- listen to what uh, Neil Druckmann says. He's the director for this game. We're trying to explore who Nathan Drake is as a person, right? People make mistakes. People are imperfect. They're vulnerable at times. And they hurt other people even when they don't mean to. We're delving a little deeper than when, than we have before into the human side of Drake. 
I mean, really, that spells out why we start with Uncharted 4. <laughs> I mean, I've never exactly. played the other games, and I'm looking forward to playing them at some point. Um, but that's, this just seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, it's also, I mean, so many so many ways we can go on that. Like, we can kind of, some of the really hard decisions or, like, controversial choices that Nate makes in this game, like, we kind of, it's real. Like, we're like, wow, I don't know if I would have done that, but I kind of understand where he's coming from. But mm-hmm. it's also good, like, you know, it's some of his remarks that he's making, you know, like when him and Elena are kind of reunited and, you know, um, he's like, they're in the caves and he's like, hey, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of close. Be ready for a fight. And she's like, I always am. And he's like, what is that? Is that directed towards me or something? You know? <laughs> Not everything's about you. And she's like, no, would you calm down? He's like, you calm down. <laughs> you yeah. Like, yeah. And like my wife heard that today and she started laughing. Like yeah. she was like. Yeah. That's very much something we would say. Or, to one of our wives. Yeah, when the, when and in this game, when you're in the graveyard looking for Avery's, uh, I can't the tombstone. Yeah, the tombstone and all that. Yeah. Um, you know, at that point, I think Nate talks to Sam and he's like, "You know what I could really go for right now? It's like it looks chilly, it kind of looks, you know." And he's like, "Hot oh, cocoa." Yeah. And like, you know, Sam's like, "What are you twelve? And he's like, "No, <laughs> like, you can't tell me you wouldn't yeah. go for hot cocoa. I would love hot cocoa right now." Yeah. Or <laughs> or even his response later when Sam is left and he's like trying to hunt him down. And he's like, "It's like, oh, good, you're probably still alive. I get to kill you myself." <laughs> yeah. Just what that is to like be so infuriated with someone that you also care about. Yeah. Yeah, it's great stuff. He's, he's talking to Sully. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna punch him when I see him. Yeah. I'm gonna save him and I'm gonna punch him and like Sully's <laughs> like, let's save him first. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. I think it's actually the little things like that make the biggest impact. Sure. It, it just does. Like those little mm-hmm. things, it might be an animation where it's just like, he's like scratching his, you know, arm or something, or he's mm-hmm. like, you know, getting the flies out of his face or something. It's like, dude, this guy feels grounded, you know, and he yep. feels really real. So uh, just some things on like the Uncharted games. You just said you didn't play them, but, you know, they've always built on the previous one. Okay. So Uncharted. Uh, Drake's Fortune, we could say it was like Indiana Jones. It was like this kind of younger guy that was making these like, you know, uh, witty remarks. You know, he's got Sully, he's got the old guy with the cigar, you know. It just, it, it felt like Tomb, Ra- Tomb Raider-ish and then Indiana Jones, except the guy's not wearing a hat or anything. But it's like this Nathan Drake guy that's like kind of hip and modern and like, we like it, we just it's like it. It's a very cool name, Nathan yeah. Drake. Yeah, oh my gosh, it's so, it's so good. Um, and then like, among thieves right the second one it kind of expands of characters in this like epic train sequence so when you when people talk about uncharted 2 and among thieves they just go man that train sequence was super awesome and again you haven't played this game so Looking it's like to it. you, you that like a lot of that story revolves around that entire train and it's just it's so cool but also this expansion of characters like we see chloe for the first time you know and like people loved her and all this other kind of stuff great story and then we'll kind of talk touch of on this but each game kind of has this like supernatural element to it you know it's like wow it's grounded but then like we have this like there's like this mysteriousness like evil spirits kind of happening like there's always and i don't even know if you mm. knew this but there's always like people are getting like you know possessed or something or like this oh, treasure no is like this treasure it, it's it's haunted like it's not good don't it, it, like don't take it there's a reason why You'll, you'll see that. And, and that, that's crazy when you think about how grounded Uncharted 4 is. Yeah. Uncharted 4 didn't have any of that mysteriousness. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought they had it in anything. Right, but like Uncharted, Uncharted 1 through 3, they all had this like one like weird supernatural thing mm. that was happening. 
Now, the third one, uh, that's Drake's Deception. Uh, it, it was more of an exploration of Nate as a character, right? So we find out he was an orphan. Um, he chooses marriage at the end. We'll kind of talk about marriage, like, today with him and Elena. Like, that was a huge... Marriage is a huge theme in this. It really is. is. Uh, that really caught me off guard, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but, like, Drake's Deception was more about, hey, we're going to kind of get a micro, uh, mic drop and then, like, really look at him as a character. And then you still have this mysteriousness and, like, supernatural stuff happening. So, and then we get to May 10th, 2000, uh, 2016, and Uncharted 4 is released, okay? So, here's a couple of interesting tidbits. This game experienced four delays, all right? So it was actually originally slated for 2015. There's a trailer that came out in 2013 that is dramatically like, I, I just watched it not too long ago and I was like, what is this? What did you oh, do with Uncharted 4? Seriously, what, I mean, whatever they were going for, it did not work out. And I think there's, there's this, um, there are all these theories now, and we, we've kind of gotten some more information of like what was happening early on, but pretty much uh, Sam, Sam Drake was always kind of like a character that they wanted to implement, but like it, would, it had to do with like a revenge tale. Uh, kind of like he was out for revenge against Nate for being left in that prison for 15 years. Whoa, what a twist. Yeah, but like... I, I don't know how this was, I, but apparently it was like Nate didn't know Sam was his brother. Oh. So they were going to finally like somehow like uh, resolve things. And then like Rafe was still going to be the main bad guy. Okay. Right. Th but they would they would kind of team up together and then like try to beat Rafe to the treasure or whatever. Mm. But both actors. So Sam Drake and Rafe Adler, both were different voice actors at first. And... As soon as Neil Druckmann and uh, Bruce Straley got the reins for this game, which we'll kind of talk about in a sec, they booted them. So um, Amy Henning was actually the first director um, to, was actually the first director on this game. She directed uh, two and three. I think she might have been involved in the first one. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, so it just makes sense for her to come in and plop herself in on the fourth game. I mean, makes sense, right? She knows the character more than anybody else. But... This is when, like, The Last of Us got its fame, right? Uh, like, The Last of Us, people were, not again, Naughty Dog ha was just propelled up another tier. And people expected way more from that studio than ever after The Last of Us. They were just like, look, the writing is unreal. Whoever, whoever wrote that game, Neil Druckmann, he's got to direct <laughs> everything else that goes in there, you know? Good old Dr. Ruckman. And so I think... Um, there were some development issues there with, like, creative differences, too, where Amy Henning and then, like, the rest of Naughty Dog, they weren't really necessarily seeing eye to eye, even as I'm, like, telling you that theory of, like, the plot. Yeah. And we, again, we don't really know, but there was a lot of sources that said that. It's like, that, that plot doesn't really make much sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, they might have been able to do something good with it. Sure. You never know, but the yeah. one they went with is great. You're kind of having your... You know, your hand's tied behind your back a little bit. The, I, this is kind of a spoiler for you, but for Uncharted 1 through 3, there's never a mention about Drake having a... Nate, Nate having a brother. Oh, okay. So you're, you're already kind of having your arms tied, like... Yeah. Because I, at the end of the day, if, if I have a problem with Uncharted 4 <laughs> off the bat, I think Nate would have told Elena about yeah. this. I just, it's not... It, it, it is traumatic, but 
I, I I don't know. That was probably the hardest point to believe. Yeah, the way their relationship is, I wouldn't have had a problem believing he would have totally opened up about her. <laughs> sure. About having a different last name and everything. But and... Sam Drake as a character works so well that it, I think it works. Yeah. So you can kind of put it behind you real quick. But anyway, so, you know, uh, Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley took over. They scraped the actors, scraped direction, and they went another route. And, like, honestly, there's a, a again, it was supposed to come out in 2015, right, the game. And they announced it in 2013, so some things were already kind of rolling, and they threw out a lot of stuff, right? Um, apparently, though, Madagascar and, like, some other places were already originally like, yeah, we want to do that, and they kept with that kind of stuff. But, um, and, uh, yeah, just a review score. Um, Game Informer gave it a 9.5 out of 10. That's a really, really good score. Well I probably would have done it, too. I probably would have given it the same score. It has sold... CJ, over 15 million copies. Proud owner. <laughs> it sold over 15 million copies. That is crazy, man. Yeah. And then that year, it went on to win the best narrative, and then it went on to win the best performance. And uh, Nate, uh, Nate, Nathan Drake is played by Nolan North, who uh, just an incredible actor. Perfect. Perfect man, for the role. he's got a great voice, and he, I mean, you know, like he, he uh, voices that crazy guy. In The Last of Us. Did you know that? Which crazy guy? The one that was trying to kidnap uh, Ellie. What is his name? Oh! What is his name? Yeah, that guy. Wow, this is embarrassing I know, but this is this is why we're going to take a look at that game, too. Yeah. So so this, this is a very unimportant question, but it occurred to me. So the whole Nathan Drake Uncharted series, that was Naughty Dog's like initial step into this storytelling linear serious kind of thing i would say so yeah especially okay. uncharted 2 okay so it's probably not a coincidence then that this great Did epic character oh. Could you try? sorry my watch <laughs> so it's probably not a coincidence that the character's initials are naughty dog's initials right <laughs> nathan drake naughty dog probably not moving on probably not i mean they have a, again they have a lot to owe to to uncharted and then again it's just a, a stepping block right anyway poor yeah. question moving on nah you're the worst thanks Okay, let's ask this question, CJ. Why this game for Brothers-in-Law? Well, I mean, we've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but to just have such real vulnerable characters going through conflict, seeing how they react to it, how they react to each other, how do they clash with each other, how do they rely on each other. I mean, we talked about art being reality, right? Like, there's a lot of truth in how these people handle going throughout this story. And so I, we just felt like it was a it was a great starting place because it gives you a really fun game to play and it gives you really good people to study. Yeah, you. Um, I mean, this is the second time you've beaten the game. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember like I gave it to you, or yeah, did I give you the game? Or, you did. And like you, you beat it pretty quickly, and you yeah. you were head over heels about it, man. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's kind of an interesting pick because I feel like there's this is a world that doesn't have a lot of consequences to it. Right, I would I would say so. In this in this uncharted universe, it's not that like it's not something like um, like The Last of Us. I know The Last of Us keeps coming up, but like The Last of Us, there's like a zombie apocalypse happening. You yeah. gotta fight for yourself. But like Uncharted Four, you, it starts out with like Nate. We find him and uh, he's working submarine, like or not submarine. Um, oh, they're like doing salvage it, from the ocean. Yeah, yeah. And he's like he's scuba diving. Well, I think that's another very real thing about it. Like, this isn't about some massively important character who's going to save the world. It's like, this is just some guy. He's got a job that he's okay with. He's got a wife that he loves. 
and then his life he's goes working sideways. nine to five and yeah. like somehow so this unconsequential like world where yeah. they make the con- they make the choice to kind of jump into consequences as far as the treasure but like mm-hmm. i feel like this is a super grounded like yeah game and it's like we should start out with this because it, it just it's a good story but it's also like this is kind of what life is like there's this life of hey um i do dishes because you cook tonight yeah hey actually let me play you for it tonight you know let's play yeah. crash bandicoot stuff like that it just makes it so much fun it's, you you're watching a couple you know interact on a on a video game and you're just like i I love this. It's so much fun to watch, and it's mm. just like I relate to them so much. I mean, you right? even watch like Nate and his boss at his nine to five job, kind of like gripe over contracts and the stuff that I mean, there's nothing romantic or sexy about that. <laughs> right. Like they're just kind of dealing with the crap that gets flung their way because yeah. they have bills to pay. Yeah. Do the paperwork. Yeah. All right. So real quick, let's let's kind of talk about like what did we like? What did we like in this game? Love the music and the scenery. Oh man, so good. Anything that can like suck me in. And I kind of forget for a little bit in a way that I'm playing a video game. Like, that helps. And that that whistle that it has rolled through, particularly a lot in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Love, like, in some of my notes here, I, like, the first chapter, it's on in quotations. I have, like, haunting whistle. <laughs> yeah. There's, it's some, the, man, the soundtrack is really good. It's, yeah. it's not, like, it's not always super memorable, but, like, it, it hits, like, all the right beats for me. It does. Throughout this game. It fits the scenes really well. I mean, that's another thing. Naughty Dog's very good at. Yeah. Uh, I love the the writing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the main story overall. But I, again, this is where Naughty Dog really does it for me. It's in those moments where you're just kind of, you're walking to point A to point B. But the dialogue that's happening mm-hmm. between two characters, you know, or more, or optional conversations you yeah. know stuff like that that makes that game really special yeah well another thing that i really love that they do is like okay so there's this treasure and you could go after it and it's a really big deal for you but it's probably going to cost something while you do this you keep finding tidbits of history about people who have already tried to do this sure and you've seen them do nothing but fail over and yeah, over again yeah. and so it makes you wonder like to a degree like why do i keep going with this sure you know, like, there's got to be another way to help Sam out back when you think, you know, he came to you for help for a certain reason. And I mean, I just like how they kind of layer history like that. And then they throw you in because as you read history, you're like, well, these bunch of morons, they shouldn't have gone and done that. But then it puts you in there and it's like, all right, we're going for a treasure, I guess. Yeah. Probably the most sobering one was just outside the cave. I mean, you're just just a few feet away from Avery's mm. treasure at the very end. And, uh, you know, we see that campfire. Yeah, there's that campfire out there. It's like right outside the cave, and it, like the guy was like, "Yeah, the wound to my leg. I'll wake up tomorrow. I might lose it, but uh, I'll be able to finish this expedition." And yeah. like, he doesn't make it. He doesn't make it. He was so close, man. Um, but yeah, I keep throughout my. This is about again. This is probably my my fifth or sixth playthrough of this game. But like, I kept reminding myself today that it, like, and throughout my entire time playing it, this was made in 2016. Yeah. That was five, almost five years ago. And it is the most gorgeous looking game. It, it holds up so well, man. Yeah, it does. Gosh. I loved all the views. I loved all the plants. The plants and the greenery mm-hmm. and then like the mud. There's something I love when like you would just slip down a mudslide. Oh, yeah. And like Nace is like yeah. fall, And then like the jumping on how he would like, how he would jump from a cliff or something. I loved how like... You have to kind of like you can move your um, your joystick to kind of match up 
where he needs to actually put his hand at for the rocks. Yeah, you couldn't just kind of brainlessly button your way up a mountain or anything. Yeah, you can kind of... To a degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even like... I even love that little uh, thing that you had. A, oh, that little chisel knife oh, thing that man. you had to dig into. I would kind of yeah. like wait a little while while I was going down it, and then finally, like, yeah. and like you just kept sliding. Mm-hmm. You would slide. Oh, man, some of those things are so good. Yeah, I keep looking up like prices to like rock climbing memberships <laughs> after playing this game. Yeah, one thing's for sure: Nathan Drake is like a ripped man underneath all of those clothes. Yeah, like his forearms are made of steel. <laughs> That guy, man, he has no problem. And also, like... Low-key, though. <laughs> can, can we talk about, like, just, like, Elena just lifting him with no problem? You know, like, if you lift her up to a platform and then she reaches oh, down yeah. and figure out, it's like, she does that with ease and it's like, <laughs> okay, she must, she must run in the family. Climbs. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. so we can, we can say the storytelling and the visuals and anything else. Music was really good. Yeah. Any final thoughts that you liked? Yeah, thing good. You touched on dialogue, okay. so good. Um, all right, what did we not like? <laughs> I'm gonna let you start off just because you have such a good point on this one. Which which point though? <laughs> those good old crates. Man, those crates suck so bad, so, and that, they've like gotten rid of those like in uh, not, uh, Naughty Dog games. So yeah, the music and the scenery it sucks me in, and there you go, and then suddenly it's like, oh, I gotta push this crate off a ledge and watch it land perfectly and then wheel it down so I can latch onto it and what are we doing here? <laughs> like, I gotta throw my rope and it's gonna magically just immediately you know, yeah. attach and then I gotta pull it through water and... Which I guess the rope is magical in most of those cases. This but... is the funny thing about video games. I mean, like, this is kind of going too far but it's like, I love those moments where it's like, you just have to find a way up, a platform. Like, you gotta put a, a you know, trash can or like a yeah. crate in our instance just to get up and it's like... Yeah. In normal life, that would never happen, right? There's always there's always going to be this dissonance between a video game and reality. Yeah. No matter how hard you're trying to go for a grounded type of feel, right? You just are. I love um, the the most classic example of this is uh, debris and trash in front of a staircase. Mm-hmm. Right there, you can go. Hey, I can't even go up that uh, that staircase. Yeah. Just because there's trash bags. Just because there's some. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of fence there that this, exactly. this guy who can like leap off of mountains and grab himself to see he's not strong <laughs> enough to move the fence over, guys. I, uh, Sorry. Who knows? Actually, really quick, going back to what I liked also. Okay. About the um, climbing. I actually really love this game that like it's not the most obvious thing of where you need to go. Oh, that's true. I like and I'm talking about even like some of the pallets that you have mm-hmm. to like climb onto. You know, in most games, I'm thinking about it. It's like there's like this very like obvious, you know, in Horizon Zero Dawn. Remember how you could you got always, those little yellow things everywhere. There's like jump. It looks like jump yeah. ropes, yeah. you know, like around. And you're just like, oh, I know where to go to that. But like, yeah. and on Jordan, sometimes you would like be in these moments where you're like, I don't. I'm just gonna press X right here, and then I died behold. so many times because I would look or the um. Or you see like a path of that gravel that you slide on, yeah. and I'm like, well, I guess I just slide down this and jump, and I'll have something to. So I jump and I slide and, you know, two seconds later, Sam's, Nathan! It's like, <laughs> I'm just splattered. Like, oh well. <laughs> also, this is the only game that I would, like, genuinely laugh at when I died. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, it was... Because you just come, like, you're I mean, this is that, like, people are yelling at you and it's sad, but is this, like, after you see where you're supposed to go, I'm like, oh, wow, I am such an idiot. 
<laughs> yeah, but no, and so I know that's a criticism that people could probably just be like, well, it, it, that point that I just made could be a criticism for some people, mm-hmm. right? People are like, I want to know where to go. This is a linear game, but it's like, I actually really like that. I mean, even in Madagascar, you, you're kind of like, I'm yeah, just gonna, sort of driving I'm around. gonna drive around and find yeah. the place. And mm-hmm. um, so there is that mistake. They're calling this wide linear games, right? More it's, open world. It's not. It's not necessarily like you're just going in one straight line. Yeah. You're kind of exploring, and that's that's cool. This playthrough, I didn't do any of that. I just want. Yeah, to know. we didn't have time for that. Yeah. So also, funny fact is like I love how Nathan Drake never gets like any of the treasure mostly in all of his games. I mean, in Uncharted Four, obviously he got some, but. Like in one through three, he's never really gotten that treasure always, oh. and but I love it because you find all those collectibles. Yeah, you know, and like yeah, what his are those pockets ones? are just like busting with little yeah. horse figurines. And also, like you found Libertalia. Yeah, take whatever you find <laughs> there and sell it. Like you probably could have stopped at Libertalia. Oh, right? Devin, Devin, oh, DT missed the message of the whole game. <laughs> all right, anything that you didn't like, also. I mean, honestly, the crates frustrated me the most. Okay. Would you say that's your biggest criticism of the game? I mean, it's just something that knocks me back into the reality of like, oh, yeah, it's a game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like the shooting as much. I don't know why. I, I got a real John Wick sense. Now, mostly that's just because it would take me like 20 rounds to drop one sure. guy. But it didn't I bother me. Something, I mean, and I don't actually, that this is just a perf- personal preference, right? So. Mm-hmm. For my preferential thing is like I didn't like the shooting as much, but like I kind of like it to a certain extent because it proves that like Nate's not just like a he's not a marksman. Yeah, it's this isn't what he does. Again, it's a nine yeah. to five guy that has this like job. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of janky with it, you know. Yeah, and, I mean he's an adventurer, but guns to him are they're just kind of another part of the trade. Sure, but it's not like his specialty, like history. Yeah, or something like that. Sure. Yeah. I, so. And look, that's probably the biggest criticism but against Naughty Dog games. Another real thing you get to do with the shooting in the is where you you're too scared to pop your head up. Yeah. So you just sort of spray and pray for sure. a little bit. I thought that was a good detail. I love like throwing grenades and yeah. stuff like that. That was always fun. Um, one thing I really hated about this game are the exploding like mummies <laughs> in the ta- in that little when you're mm-hmm. in the prison mm-hmm. or not the prison but the, you're in the you're going through like Avery's getaway tunnel yeah yeah his panic yeah. tunnel is that what Atlanta said or something probably. like that probably and oh, those sucked so <laughs> bad man that is so annoying it does set you up well though for when you get to the big room and Nate sees and he's like okay everyone like don't explode yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like that but it's like I hated that part. They suck. I mean, it's a booby trap tunnel. You're probably not supposed to have too much fun in it. But who has time to also do something like that? Like, like the part where you had to walk on those platforms. Yeah. You know, and go on the right ones. It's like, why would anybody kind of do that? I mean, imagine if Avery was like, "All right, let's do this." And apparently, Libertalia was like a colony for a while. Yeah. So just think about it, if like he never went down there and he was like, "Oh crap!" Like, which ones are which? Yeah. <laughs> Which ones are gonna explode? Or all the villagers like, have you guys seen that? Really? It's like I don't know. He's been hanging out with that mountain a lot. He's got a lot of construction. I don't know. Whatever. Let's go yeah, to town. Exactly. Somebody had to build that, so it's like somebody yeah. had to know. Anyway, it, again, we are we're getting a little we digress. too real about that kind of stuff. Okay, so we've kind of talked about Naughty Dog, kind of its origins of Uncharted Four. At these end, 
Um, and then now let's kind of talk about the worldview. Like, yeah. What, what are some of the themes? What are some of the worldviews that it's promoting? Like, yeah. What's what, going on in this game? What sermons getting preached to us? Exactly. In this game? There you go. Well, it surprises me that the first three games have some sort of supernatural element to them because I just. You don't get that from this game no, you at don't. all. No, no, I mean, no. I thought it was strictly a material view of things. You have time, space, matter, and that's it. Yep. You know, everyone's just products of evolution. They're bumping around, trying to stay alive. <clears throat> and but I can't, I can't really easily call this like a secular game, just because I like I like being contradicting, mm. and it's my general nature. All truth is God's truth, right? Yeah. So that's and that's the thing, and you know, and at the beginning of the game, how do they set you up in, in viewing kind of an annoying hierarchy, um, authority system? Like it's a Catholic orphanage. Sure. And they're they're just kind of a religious. They got their weird little rules that don't make sense, and they're a pain in the butt, and you got to deal with that. But like, I can't remember who I'm quoting in this. Jordan Peterson, maybe like. Everyone's religious. Yeah. We all have no, these sure. fundamental baseline assumptions about like humanity, about human life, and is it important? Are some more important than others? Yeah. What do you do when you know you and yours is threatened by someone else? Like, there's a lot of this. You have morality. You have right, wrong. Then you have a lot of gray area going on in here. And so again, it's very, it's very realistic. Sure. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll go through some of these themes here. Um, the first one we talked about was identity. Identity. Like, huge. Yeah, you learn at the end of the game that this whole thing has been started because Nathan and Sam come out of very small beginnings and they want to go all sick Parvis Magna on the world, so they literally change their names yeah. to what launch if, themselves into something bigger. A man of fortune. I'm a man of fortune I'm a seek my fortune, yeah. You know, like, that's identifying who we are. Yeah. Nadine, right? She is... She's taken over her father's army, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, just so insane. And like, it's like, what? What is happening in this world where it's like you have a civil, you have this like army that you intentionally go to civil wars for? Like, yeah, I don't know what's happening. It's real, it's real black bag, Rafe, like black water stuff. Rafe has taken over his yeah. parents' company, and people are like, hey, aren't you running your com- your parents' company? He's like, my company, my company. Yeah, my, and, and Nadine, mm-hmm. my army, mm-hmm. right? Stuff like that. Um, yeah. And well, and the interesting thing there is like they, like, this game never suggests like your identity is going to be important just because of you. Like it's always something outside of you. So mm, with with Rafe and Nadine, like they want to prove, I'm assuming that like they're every bit as qualified and competent in running their, you know, whether it's Shoreline or this multi billion dollar whatever. Like they're just as good as their parents. Sure. Like they're just as valuable of them. They'll even maybe take it to a step further. And it's funny because they both have this thorn in their side. Like, Rafe hasn't actually discovered anything on his own. Nope. And Nadine's little shoreline group there, they keep getting caught up and, like, being on the wrong end of certain civil wars, and they look even worse than they did. And they're bankrupt. And they're bankrupt. Right. And she needs this big payroll, too. Which, yeah, yeah. you understand why she joined Rafe in this. Yeah. And so, but then you go back to the brothers. You know, you got Sam and Nathan, and they just come from this small, humble place where they felt like they didn't matter. And they're like, no, you know what? We do matter, and we are important. And their mom, like, the work that she did, which I guess in a way kind of compares to Nadine and Rafe inheriting something from their parents, but, like, they discover something that their mom never quite got to. And so they're wanting to charge into it and take ownership for themselves, but then also to honor her, honor her memory. And so I just thought it was really cool. Like, none of them 
think they're important just because of themselves. Like they all have to step outside of themselves for something, whether it's good or bad. It's a good point. Yeah, I um, I also see the struggle with identity, mm-hmm. right? We, I mean, this is a constant struggle for Nathan. And uh, hey, I am a nine to five worker, but I'm not doing what I like to do. Yeah, like you're. He's kind of struggling with this sort of identity of mm-hmm. like, remember, and even at the very end of the game, mm. even at the very end of the game, like, you know, uh, Elena and him buy uh, Jamison's. Uh, they buy his company. Why? Well, I didn't think normal life really panned out for us. Yeah. I mean, that, like, they both try, and it's interesting because Elena shows her hand there. She's like, eh. You know, <laughs> I kind of missed adventure too. Like, yeah. Like, uh, I wanted the normal life, but clearly that's not what we're made for. You know, so they were yeah. kind of, I guess they were kind of um, confining their identity, like mm-hmm. quotation marks, to like a job, right? Yeah. And, you know, Nathan, you again, we see this throughout the entire uh, game where he's like, I know I don't need to do that stuff anymore, right? Mm-hmm. But like, because this is me. He knows the right answers to say to Elena on, hey, are you thinking about treasure or anything else? You yeah. know, we see him in the attic, like playing around and stuff. Yeah, that was really interesting because like the attic is, I guess, like some sort of physical manifestation of like his subconscious. <laughs> like that's where Nathan Drake's really hanging out at yeah, in the past, reliving all those adventures. Then he comes back downstairs and he's back in reality. And it's not that he doesn't like it, but it's like, you know, he's very thankful and him and his wife are clearly like well suited to each other. But it just, it just misses Man, something. We, we talked about this before we even recorded this, but like the juxtaposition in yeah. that scene is striking. I mean, like the music's really pumping. You're just going around shooting this mm-hmm. little, like, what is that? It's like. Oh yeah, just like the little targets with your Nerf like gun a, there. It's like a Nerf gun and like, yeah. he's like reloading and everything. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like. Nate, you know, Elena's like, Nate, you're coming down, and like, all of a sudden he puts the gun up, and then he he comes down from the attic, and it, it is quiet. Yeah. With a it's... laundry, like, the the laundry's mm-hmm. washing, yeah. you know? And it's just like, wow. Like, yeah. I went from a, this was reality, and this adventure, to this, man, this blandness of life and marriage. Yeah, like, there's just this mundane thing, or, but I think something important does happen there, like, because it is dead quiet, and after all the fun you just had, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm in a house, and there's laundry, like you said, and there's all this other stuff to worry about, but then, like, this really warm, inviting music starts playing, and you see a lane. Oh, man, yeah. That's a good transition. That's true. It's like this black, you know, it's a black, it, all the lights are turned off in this house, yeah. and you're, you're seeing this house, and then you come down the stairs, and then, like... There's Elena. Right? There's, Elena. there's this light, this warm light coming out, and it's just mm-hmm. like, all right, the tone is very different, mm-hmm. but like, this is where I want to be too. Yeah. You see this tornness between. Yeah, they set it up very much to where like it's either one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, but then even That's while you're point. even while you're there with Elena, and you're, you know, and it's good, and it's a good thing to show about <laughs> marriage, I think, because we talk about that question she asked, like, are you happy? <laughs> And how that's tough. How that's a terrifying question to hear it's in a tough. marriage. But it comes up, I mean, it comes up when you have problems in marriage, sure, but like they also just seem to like where they're comfortable enough with one another and they're solid enough that like they can ask vulnerable questions like that. Yeah. And I don't know if that was one of the vulnerable things the Druckmann and company was thinking about putting in there, but to me, like as a married person, like that can be a tough, scary question. That is probably, I mean, you and me, like we both have a Google Doc and we both kind of talked about that. Like, yeah. That's a very terrifying thought. Let's back up just a real quick too, because I uh, let's talk about the human agency of just playing this game again. Okay. Because uh, you know you're eating there, you're eating with mm-hmm. Elena, and Elena's telling you about this 
big story that she's doing. Yeah. Oh, I got ahead of it. I felt so convicted. Yeah. You know, just looking at, what is that painting that Nate's looking at? And that know? whistle. Yeah, the whistle the comes whistle. in. And then, like, I, I stopped listening, too. Same. <laughs> I stopped listening. Yeah. And then she asked you that question. Oh, yeah? What do you... What did I just say? What did I just say? And then you have three dialogue options. And as you're you're like, uh, 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 like they start disappearing on you. (laughs) I've never felt more like. The smog, it's bad. (laughs) I mean, that was, that was such an interesting moment as a player. Yeah. I I just felt like, again, that was me taking on manifesting like Nathan Drake and just being like, I have let down my wife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She picks on you. She's like, oh. She does. Yeah, close. And that, <laughs> and that's kind of a sweet moment because she could kind of hammer you over, like you never listen or whatever. Yeah, sure. But she just sort of like pokes at you a little bit, like all right, yeah, yeah, you weren't listening. What's up with you? You know, it's a good moment. Are you happy? Yeah. You're like, oh, we're gonna go there now, <laughs> as you yeah. wonder about your previous life. But you see that tension in him, like you yeah. see that tension. He's like, of course I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And I think there is that there's this like tornness between yes he has the woman that he loves I love the line where she makes that jump you know she comes back she makes the jump uh, across like uh, a platform whatever oh yeah and like you know Nate is like Whoa, nice jump she's like not bad right yeah he just goes way to go Nate he's like piss off a girl like that yeah he's like you <laughs> idiot yeah but he see the the mundane like. The, the identity that he's taken on, this nine to five, mm-hmm. like, he's scuba diving. He's, and, like, what does he get? It's copper. It's copper. <laughs> it's yeah. copper, right? Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, I wonder what it is, you know? Yeah. Copper, right? And it's just like, ah. Oh, and especially I, after what he's done, you know. And copper again, wouldn't be exciting to anybody, sure. but. And, like, uh, you haven't played Uncharted 3, but, like, again, he, like, chose marriage at the very end of that game. Mm. And so you, that is a reality, and that's something he desires, to yeah. ch- choose Elena and to be with her. But it's like that lifestyle is like. Yeah, so he finds it very unsatisfying. And I think that sets us up to go into the next theme here. And Druckmann said what he really wanted to explore here was this idea of obsession. Man, yeah. What do you want to go for? And at what point is it too costly to deal with? And so Nate is in what any of us would call like a good life. Like he's obviously successful at what he does. He's got a good marriage. She's sure. successful at what she does. Their house doesn't look too bad to me. No. I think it's actually a really nice house. But he's unsatisfied. And so that, I think, catapults us into, you know, when we step outside of ourselves to find something of value, to find something that satisfies us, and then we think we have it, like, oh, man, you just you hit the gas pedal on it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, straight charging. I uh, let, yeah, Let's uh, quote that... Um that uh, thing that he's talking about. This is Game Informer again. It says, one of the themes that we're exploring with Uncharted 4 is the idea of obsession. Passion becomes obsession. Obsession becomes an addiction. And they're all kind of very similar ideas, but they have a cost. And this idea we wanted to explore is that every treasure that Drake pursues has a cost to it, right? Mm -hmm. An emotional cost, a relationship cost. Sometimes it sounds dark, but again, that that to me is the humanity within who Nathan Drake is. There is a t- there is a two sides to everything that we do in life, and in this game, we're going to try to explore those two aspects of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like huge theme right there that we can like. I mean, I just shared that quote with you. What was it last night? Or yeah, two I think nights so. ago or something. It was like, oh, that is so obvious. Yeah, mm-hmm. because like I mean, think about it. It's just like this passion for Sam, right? For Sam, is like this passion to find the treasure becomes an obsession to a point where like, 
he doesn't make that jump. He's not going to make that jump at the very end. He's going to go find the treasure. What? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And like Drake tells him, he's like, I'm not going to come after you. Of course he's going to come after him. But sure. like, you know, Sully yeah. is there. He called your bluff. <laughs> <laughs> God bless Sully. Well, and then, and to just to that point about, you know, what it costs, as Nathan's coming after him, he's like, Sam, after everything, wasn't this enough? Yeah. And I mean, it just really leaves you thinking like, at what point do you cut it? What point do you draw the line? You say no more. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and there's a lot of tensions there because you know in the beginning, Nate still is kind of obsessed with that adventurous lifestyle, and then Sam steps in and he goes on this, and it looks like he might choose it at the risk of losing his marriage. Yeah, you know, and then later on it's like that that same kind of tension comes up, and he does choose marriage in that, um, but then you have that historical aspect of it to where you know Avery and two, and then later on Burns and Hayes, like all these people have set their mind on getting this treasure because they think their identity is going to be like really fulfilled and now valuable in it. And a lot of these guys, they just want that wealth because they think it's going to bring them this certain kind of independence, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of another thing we can get into a little bit later, but like to them, like nothing's too much. Yeah. Like ever forward, ever forward. And like they lose. Yeah. They lose the game. I think that's I think that's huge. I mean, the passion for the Battaglia was for this pirate com- community to be together. Mm-hmm. Obsession finally just gets into just insanity and addiction, right? Yeah. To where Avery just does the unthinkable, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think it's again like that. It's that identity. Like the identity was that ship, full of all this treasure. Like yeah. his identity was that ship, and like getting away and taking all of that mm-hmm. for what? Like, what yeah. do you do after that, right? I loved I loved the question that or the thing that Sam came to you know just realize at the very end he's like you know I thought after finding Avery's treasure I'd be satisfied yeah and Nathan understands that he's like yeah another feeling yeah hence the reason why we had three Uncharted games and now four <laughs> one like it's just like yeah this yeah. this guy doesn't get it you know mm-hmm. and I think that's I think that's probably the realest thing that Naughty Dog wrote in this story for me mm. they understand. I mean, really, though, like, what, even, like, the great people that step out into the spotlight and we all, you know, I mean, Michael Jordan, just watching his documentary and all this stuff, like, these are people who did really astounding things, but they did it because nothing was ever good enough for them. That's a good point. There was always one more thing to go for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady, uh, he's going to the uh, Super Bowl again. Yeah. He just won last night. But, um... I knew a guy who was a chaplain for the New England Patriots, and he sat down and had dinner with Tom Brady one night, and Tom Brady was like, you know, I got I got about four or five Super Bowls, and I thought that would be enough, but it ain't. Mm. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's like, all right, right now, my identity is tied to being a football player, Yeah. and what that means is I need to win, and I think I'm going to, like, maybe maybe one more will be enough, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, it just never is, which I think the implications are very interesting in this game because, like, I remember, like, Sully, you know, and Sully and Sam first have that conversation. And, like, Sully looks at uh, Sam and goes, you know, he's done a lot to get out of this game. And he's mm. talking about Dre- uh, Nathan. Yeah. And, you know, Sam just looks at him and he's like, he was born for this. He was made for this, you know? And it's like, what are the implications now that you got to that point, but now yeah. now what? Well, and the really tough thing there is, like, they're both right. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. Like, Nathan is clearly cut out for this line of work, and he clearly loves it. Like, when they all come back, and they're one step closer, and Elena busts him, and she's like, if you could have just saw your face. Mm. Which I always found funny, because it's like, wait a second, we found you, like, 
looking at the map though. So how did you see his face? Like what's going on here? Guess, like, guess she looked up. <laughs> but you know what? In those moments, you can't say anything. Like yeah. <laughs> See, maybe that's a break in reality, because any real <laughs> husband would have said, like, uh, you were looking at the maps, you didn't even see my face, don't give me that. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah I mean, if, uh, again, even us talking about that scene, you know, mm-hmm. Elena's like, who are you? Yeah. Who are you? And it's truly, me. yeah, and that truly, that is the scariest question you can get asked in marriage. Like, are you happy? That's a tough one, because you got to wrestle with how you're doing in your relationship. Sure. But it's a question that comes out of being known. It's like... I'm comfortable enough with you, and I know so you enough what? to know you're off. So, hey, are you happy? Whereas this one's like, hey, I don't even know you. Yeah. Like, that's a big breakdown in relationship. And, that's I mean, that's huge. what, which is what Druckmann was talking about. Like, that's what your obsession can cost you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, another identity aspect that we were talking about, too, uh, before this. I think it, it'll come back to me at some point, maybe. But Well, we so, can actually just move on. Well, we wanna, I mean, I was, identity is huge. Identity I mean, identity is huge, and because you want that value, you do get obsessed with whatever it is that you think is going to bring you value. But I thought another thing that was in this is we all, I think, want our identities, we want them to be attached to something important, but we also want this sense of, like, independence and autonomy. Like, okay. look at what I did. Like, that's Rafe and Nadine's things. Like, oh, yeah, I got left this cool stuff, but, like, they're not satisfied with that. Let me show you what I can do with it. Good point. And like Rafe brings up all the things. Nathan Drake, the founder of, you know, all these other three other places mm-hmm. that he's been to. And he's, yeah. he is, I mean, he's going to kill him. Yeah. Rafe is going to kill Nathan because of that success. Yeah. Because of the damage it does to his ego. And that's just what happens when you're like focused inward on yourself. And that's what I thought was funny. Because like, as you talk about, um, you know, just authorities, even at the beginning at that Catholic orphanage, like. I think Sister Catherine's how we perceive authority sometimes. It's really hypocritical. It's got its rules, but it's got its rules to keep order. It's not really interested in justice. Mm-hmm. Like, she wasn't going to take care of Nathan's book, so he had to go fight the kid to get it for himself. Yeah. And he just doesn't trust that. But then you have, like, Father Duffy. And I think that's kind of the authority you want. Like, he's got enough power to override Sister Catherine. He's good. Like, he wants the best for you. He wants you to, like, be yeah. a healthy person. And so you have this tension of like, well, if authority's good, I'm fine with it. Authority's bad, I don't want anything to do with it. But then you get like all the pirates. Like Avery says, I'm going to create Libertalia. And it's just this utopia. And we're all going to be free. Where everyone comes there only to see that he's insane. And now they want to be free from him. Like I think... And there's prisons. Yeah, there's like, <laughs> there's prisons and there's rules. You know, they have like their pirate bill of rights that Sam and Nathan are laughing at. Yeah. yeah. Like you can't escape having an authority... And it's funny because, like, the moment Avery finally gets what he wants and becomes the authority, like, he botches the job, which is what every human being would do in that situation. This is good points. I mean, we're seeing how authority and laws keep us free. Yeah. Oh. Somehow in these guidelines that are, like, written out mm-hmm. in, in the sand, yeah, they're, they are what keep us, uh, us free. Yeah. Kind of interesting. And flourishing. Not even, So, like, freedom is, like, kind of tied to flourishing, mm-hmm. right? Like, obviously... Libertalia sounds like a great place. Mm-hmm. We find a million bodies like when we get there. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing like what we thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's just been brutalized and... It's been flooded. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that, you know, people come in and now Avery's the authority. And so, because he's not being fair, you know, they rebel against him. And I think it's two, one of his last letters, like the thing that he wants the most is to like go back 
to their pirate lifestyle. And he's like, then we can be free once again. And it's like, you spent that entire lifestyle running from authorities and thought this was your ticket only to find this is crap. And now you got to go back. So you just find yourself in this circle, like running from any sort of like something that would nail you down and not let you be as independent as you would want. That's a good point. Yeah. No, that's good. Fantastic. Yeah. Identity. Huge one that we saw. And I mean, again, credit to credit to Naughty Dog. That's a real problem everyday people have. Yeah. In a big way. I mean, yeah, we're always... We're, we're, I, I just... I loved... I love the emphasis of there. Just being like, hey, it is my company. My company, not my... You know, we're mm-hmm. always trying to put that stamp on things. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not... I'm I, like I'm not at my full potential if I don't do this. Yeah, you know stuff like that. <laughs> Brothers in law, this is our podcast, CJ and DT, <laughs> and we're gonna do this big time. And... Yeah, and like <laughs> I mean, it, it, even uh, we get, we've kind of talked about this, but we can kind of scoot this into marriage. Marriage is actually gonna kind of play into our next um, into our next worldview that we or the theme that we saw. But like mm-hmm. I like marriage, the identity identity is tied to marriage in this game. Yeah. Uh, when we see, man, I, like I was, I was really moved by this, and I think it's just because me and you are trying to like really inspect the game at its core now. But like, I mean, just like, why does Elena come back? Mm, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's so striking that like yeah. he didn't just lie to her about just one thing. He lied to her about a lot of things, like. They went to Scotland, you know, she had no idea, you know, mm-hmm. and like... Just kept putting her off. She's kind of finding out other things along the way, and it's and, just like... And then the big one, like, you had a brother, and a whole life I just never knew about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just craziness, and I, I just, you know... Let me just say something. Even even a... We'll, and we'll get to this, like, with The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two. when we mm-hmm. start talking about... We can talk about identity again in that game, specifically. Um, especially with just about maybe like gay relationships and all this other kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. Naughty Dog in California, okay, in California, they they made a video game with one chapter devoted to marriage. Yeah. Whoa. Really caught me off guard. Because like that's not a cool thing to do in video games. Let right? me tell you something. And it's not like, and I say, look, I, I say California and just all that other kind of stuff because that's just more of those like, hey, what do whatever is best for you, mm-hmm. right? Sure. If your partner is being just crazy and he's lying to you, leave him, mm-hmm. right? It's not best for you. If it doesn't work for you, get out of it. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, hey, sorry, so, California, it's everywhere, but yeah. That, that's my point. That's my point. It's mm-hmm. not just restricted to California. That yeah. is our world right now. You want to know what a worldview is? Do what's best for you. Mm -hmm. It is not in Elena's best interest to come and save Nate. Yeah. It is not, man. And like the damage has been done. It has. It really has. And I even chuckled a little bit like, you know, where like, I think there was like this like, um, oh, she, she pretended she was dead. Remember when she, they fall down? Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, you know, he's like, stop doing that. Like, yeah, you, you did not that. just do she that. She's like, did I, break your cho- did I uh, break your chops or something like that? He's like, look, the chops are already broken or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's like, I laughed at that. I was like, yeah, yeah, they should be, you know? like Yeah. But, dude, I am astounded that they gave a whole chapter, not even just, like, a snippet, but it was a mm-hmm. pretty long chapter mm-hmm. on marriage. And, like, just... Nathan just looking at her and just going, why'd you come back? Yeah. And she goes, 
What? I can't remember the first thing she said. I'm pretty sure she says something to the effect of like, I almost didn't. And then he brings it up later and she's like, well, there's a whole marriage vow thing, right? And that's the chapter's title, <sighs> For Better or Worse. For Better or Worse, man. Yeah. I mean, dude, I mean, this is this is a thing that we could really come out of, it, but like covenants. Covenants are huge, man. Yeah. Vows are huge. Yeah. What you do when you get married, those are no joke. And we need to remember those, man. They Like, that had, not only did that have a, a huge impression on Elena, but it had a huge impression on Nate because mm-hmm. he was saved because of her. Yeah. So we'll definitely hit the hit that up hard when we get into, like, how the gospel looks at this stuff. Dude, let me tell you something. Like, I was just like, I was... DT's about to preach. So. I think it is insane. And, like, I, I'm just, I like, I was really moved by that, though. No, I mean, it was really awesome. And I think it stands in such stark contrast to the other games where, like, a lot of your characters, like, they're just running around and getting, you know, getting into it with whoever it is they can come across. Uh, Carol. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what I was thinking about. We'll get there one day. Yeah, freak. <laughs> but um, no, I like uh, so I I think it would be we would be missing something if we didn't say something about marriage being tied to identity because again like yeah well Nate, that that ties your identity to someone else exactly permanently exactly yeah. and I mean like I, we talked about this a little bit but you know when Elena catches him for the first time I mean solely is like what what are you doing yeah, go after actually, her he actually uses more. Uh, language there but he's like what are you doing no you better go get after her. I, yeah i can't even believe that like you and me talked about this not only like did elena catch him in that time but he didn't even go after her yeah because he he was able to convince himself that his obsession was the more important thing all right we gotta stop there because we are gonna have to really unpack those in the <clears> oh it'll be good it'll be oh good. man but you brought up elena and you brought up her coming back and that walks us just perfectly into the next theme which is redemption 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 and this is by far my favorite thing about this game <sighs> gosh like the obsession that pushes you to get more and more and more just as Druckmann says it causes pain and it causes brokenness and nate has fully He's given Elena plenty of reasons for her to walk. Like, she doesn't have to deal with him anymore, and she comes back. And so that just shows, oh, man, like, when relationships break, there's this pain there. And so that kind of incurs this debt. Like, Nathan is in Elena's debt because he has hurt her and driven her away. And Elena absorbs that pain and debt by coming back after him. She yeah. doesn't make him pay it. Yeah, let's, let's, let's make something very clear. Nate receives redemption from Elena. Yeah. Like, Nate reaches redemption as a whole character, as a whole, because yeah. Elena came back for him. Yeah. And she Dude, could've... this is a secular game. Yeah. What is that? That's what I'm saying. You what would call it that? secular, but there's so much, like, there's so much good stuff happening here. Like, she could have left him in his, like, wallowing in his pain. Maybe he gets the treasure. It wouldn't matter, because we learn later, like, that's not going to satisfy him anyway. Maybe he saves Sam and does all this, but, like, he's lost what's most important to him. And, like, he deserves it. She could totally leave him there. But she chooses to come back after him. And that was your big thing in this when you talked about redemption is a choice. Redemption is a choice, man. Yeah. I mean, think about think about how many times, like, okay, yeah, Elena has to choose. Nate has to choose. Mm-hmm. Nate has to choose to do that for Sam. And, again, he's talking on his breath. He's like, man, you know what? Like, man, what, isn't this enough? Yeah. Isn't this enough? Are you kidding me? And mm-hmm. like, no, like, I gotta go get my brother. And even in the beginning, like, Nate going after the treasure, I think we would agree is like a muddy area, but there's plenty of bad in it. But also, like, why does he wanna do that? Because he wants to redeem what happened to Sam. 
he left him, and now he owes him, he feels like. And so going on this would maybe put some reconciliation in between them. Yeah. It would, like, redeem all the stuff that went wrong. There. Yeah, so here's an interesting question, though. Like, what about Sam? Mm. What about Sam? Does, does he reach redemption? That is a very good question. I would think, so, like, you know, we have that moment where Sam, you know, something happens and the bridge falls, and Sam's like, all right, well, I got to go after this treasure. And Nate's furious with him you know, wasn't this enough, whatever, and, like, Sam just keeps going for the treasure. That's his prize, his eyes on it, and he's there. And then right up until the last moment, um, you know, Nathan's trying to save him. He's under that, like, that beam that's on him. The boat's on fire. They're both kind of screwed. And Sam's like, Nate, like, go. This go. This is all I ever wanted. All I ever wanted is to find a treasure with you. Yeah. With you. With you. Yeah, good point. Like, Yeah. So, in a way, I think, I think Nate coming back is Sam's redeeming moment there. Okay. But, see, it's almost interesting because Nate, maybe that's an even clearer picture of redemption because Nate at least wanted Elena to come back and welcomed it. And it's not that Sam didn't want Nate to come back. I'm sure he did. But, like, that treasure still just caused him to, like, press forward. I mean, again, there's similarities to Elena coming back and Nate coming back. But, yeah, Sam's redemption there is it's a little muddier to me. It is because um, the very end of the game, redemption... I, I'm going to kind of go on a limb here, but I would say that the game is kind of promoting redemption because Sam was generous with what he found. Yeah. Sam got some That's of the true. treasure. Okay. And, I mean, th- so Nate and Elena wouldn't have been in a position to, uh, you know, buy the company. Buy mm-hmm. a, Elena kept going on and on about this expensive camera. But, like, <laughs> they wouldn't have been able to do that without, uh, without Sam. Yeah. Right? So we see there that the, there's, like, this, like, generous, self-giving aspect about materialism, right? Mm-hmm. Of, like, hey, let's at least give it away, though, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's, I mean, we can kind of talk about, you know, uh, Sam got in front of Nate before he got shot. Uh, you know, Rafe, yeah. Rafe was like, hey, I only need one of you, right? Mm-hmm. And he got in the way of the bullet, but it's like, I don't know. It is, it is muddy. I mean, and again, this is to Naughty Dog's credit, they don't necessarily paint Sam as a good person. Yeah, they don't, and they should. They, actually, they don't really. Uh, uh, they don't whitewash it. Let me say this: We're going back to that whole redemption as a choice. I think again, Nathan reaches redemption because of Elena's choice, but like. Even Nate makes a choice to forgive his brother. And I think there is redemption for him in that. Yeah. Nate. Nate has a, like, Nate re- reaches this aspect of redemption because now, since Elena forgave him for something, he can forgive his brother for something mm. that was just so insane. Yeah. Why the heck would you... I mean, you're jeopardizing your brother... Jeopardizing his life, jeopardizing his marriage. You know, Nate even says at one point, like, I left my whole life for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that part where he's like, you know what, Nate? You can just go home. Go home? Go yeah. home. How dare you ask after, me that? After Look at what this? I paid for you. Man. Yeah. And so, man, it, it, it is interesting, but, I mean, literally, Sam, like, throughout the entire time I was playing this game, again, this is like the fifth or sixth time, so I know it happened, but it's like, some of the conversations that were happening, I was like watching Sam. You know, I was trying to just get a vibe from him. I'm like, yeah. 
you understand what you're doing right now, right? You're mm-hmm. affecting your brother for what? This? That's what's that's what the game is always making you kind of question. All for that? Yeah. Sure. Was it worth it? Even Nate's asking that. Mm-hmm. While he's like chasing down Sam that was not wasn't yeah. even worth it. Yeah, and I mean <sighs> and you see, so I think Sam I think it's fair to say that he does reach a redemption. Because um, even after Nate finds him, they're still very much at odds. But then there at the end, I think it doesn't, it's not painted as clearly, but I think it is clear to him that like his relationship with Nate and now Elena and Sully, who he wasn't crazy about at the beginning, like he does know that they're more valuable. Yeah, he's still going after treasure because, you know, that's just kind of his and Sully's thing now, which is interesting that they're a team now. But I think, Very I think, interesting. yeah, I think it's, um, he now knows about, he now knows about what's important and that's redeeming, but maybe it just hasn't quite captivated him as much as Nate. <laughs> I don't know. I also love how like, this whole, he's like, is he trustworthy? You know, he's like talking to Sam, like mm. asking that question. Oh for yeah. Sam and like, Sam's like more or less. And I was more like, or less. you know, he's not <laughs> like, why would you hire that guy? But yeah. And okay. So let's, um, so we've talked about characters that have reached that redemption. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about characters that we know that. Yeah. Rafe. At yeah. the very end, he goes, I've earned this one. You know, he's about Everything's to been handed to me on a silver platter, except for this. And I've earned it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, he's just like, all right, you want your treasure here? You can have it. And Nate just drops all that treasure on top of Rafe and done. Mm-hmm. Redemption? Now, look, the first time we meet Rafe, you're just kind of getting to know him as a character, but, like, I mean, immediately, you know. Hey, he's a turd. That guy, there's no hope for that guy. Yeah. There's just, there's just not... Um, Nadine. Does Nadine reach redemption? I think no. I don't. Definitely not. Yeah, it's um. You see, it's interesting because I think what all this shows is like redemption for a person can't happen in a vacuum. It has to it has to include someone else, as we we're saying. Choice. Someone someone has to bring it to you, and you accept it. Or if you were the one that's wrong, you take it to the other that's person. That's actually a really good point because not only do we have to choose, like, does someone else have to choose to redeem that person or whatever? Mm-hmm. But like, that person has to be open to receiving that. Yeah. So I mean, you could walked up. I mean, Nate and Nate and Sam could have definitely walked up to Nadine and been like, "Look, I'm." <laughs> Remember when you like threw me out of a building? Like you almost killed me twice. Yeah. No worries. Like I- I'm gonna forgive that. Like, yeah. but Nadine wasn't having any of that. You know, yeah. So well, Nathan kind of offers her some there on the ledge, like he's trying to talk Sam out of not shooting her, and then when Sam goes, so like he knocks it away. That's a good point. And so I think later on, like, could Nadine have just shot everyone and been done with it? Yeah, she just closes the door and locks him in to burn to death. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think she's got a full redemption here, but at the very least, she didn't like kneecap all of them and walk off. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting way of how like, <clears throat> I mean. Th- Nadine's uh, decision to leave them inside that ship, I thought yeah. it was kind of, it was like, what you reap, what you sow. Yeah. It all led to this. Yeah. Was it worth it? I'm just going to let you guys figure that out. The ship's on fire. You got swords. Hmm. <laughs> That's about it. Your brother's like, got a or, thing on top of him. Or is... maybe, maybe the thing with Nadine, you know, we talk about redemption is like being willing to absorb the pain inflicted on you to like go again and go to the other person's. Maybe Nadine's kind of the one where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of brokenness here, but hey, like, I'm done with this. Hands off. I'm walking away before it gets any worse. And that's a good point because she was pretty vocal about that. Mm -hmm. Like, she was like, we got what we got. And like, 
First of all, I was so confused by this thing. I'm like, wait, where did you get that from? Yeah, I guess there was just some like pre treasure. <laughs> like, did Avery yeah. not get to it? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, huge, huge juxtaposition right there between like redemption and then like the people that were redeemed, the people that did reach redemption, and then just the people that weren't, man. Which I think is actually kind of interesting because like then after this game, the Lost Legacy came out, uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy. It was kind of like a. It's not another like. It's not the Nathan Drake universe, like it's Skywalker Saga or something, but like... Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> but uh, in that game, it's kind of like you play it... You don't play as Nadine, but Nadine is kind of tags along with you as Chloe. And like, interesting. She's kind of like the good guy. You know, so it's like, it's kind of interesting. Uh, maybe one could make the argument, Nadine does eventually reach that redemption, though, by joining Chloe and everything else, but... Mm. Then, they're both thieves. So. Yeah, maybe like a seed's planted there. I don't know. Yeah. So, but I think when you go back to like again, you go back through time. You got Avery and all them. I think Avery would have actually gotten redemption and been the Saint Dismas he saw himself to be if he had set up Libertalia for the others. If he's like, I want this to be a place where you all can come and be free and be safe. This is for you. But he doesn't. He does it all for himself, and that's why it falls apart. It's a very good point, man. And like it had a tremendous effect on a lot of people mm. yeah like how many people died because avery didn't want to play by someone else's rules a, a lot dude i mean it was striking to even see all those people that were dead so okay now let's like all right now we've talked about the secular worldview and the worldview that the game is promoting how does the gospel fulfill this so we, when we talk about identity right yeah <sighs> here we go here we go <laughs> Well, dude, uh, look, as Christians, uh, we can kind of just immediately go to Galatians 2.20, right? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? Mm, 2 Corinthians 5.17, for you are no longer, uh, behold, the new has come, the old is gone, right? In Christ, you are a new creation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our identity is staked to Christ, right? We find, so not only, it's so interesting because like in Uncharted, some of their identity was tied to what they did. Yeah. Oh, like Nadine has the, the army. Rafe has his parents' company, which is his now. Like all <laughs> that has to do with like something that we do. Like it, even at the end of the game, adventure. Like oh, Elena and Nate have to be the adventure type. So it's like what we do, what who we are as, an, as a person is this adventurous type, which then like they have a, a house by the sea. And it's like, man, like what is your insurance? <laughs> what is your insurance on that house? But... Um, so like, but now like, dude, think about it. Like you and me, I'm in a ministry position. Like, and most people could just be like, all right, you're a believer and you're a ministry. That makes sense, right? But like, take a guy like you, right? Your your identity isn't staked to what you actually do, though. Like, praise God. To what? <laughs> or you would smell horrible. No, yeah. <laughs> but like, it is because of what Christ has done for us. Mm-hmm. Our identity is like staked into someone, not something. Yeah. I think that is huge, man. Yeah, I think um, kind of your opening, what, couple chapters of Romans really touches what happens when you want to put your identity in the created rather than the creator. creator. Yeah. yeah. God yeah. will give you up to that. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, okay, if that's if that's what you want to chase, you can chase it. Right. But it's never going to work. And that, that is hard language right there. Mm-hmm. Like, Paul, oh, it's, it's Paul's language stuff. there is, is pretty it's brutal. It's scary. Mm-hmm. So, and, um, and I, I, like, even kind of talking about... So interrupt me whenever, but like even when we're talking about identity of like what we do, notice how that never stops. 
It, it, so, again, Sam's like, I thought I'd be satisfied. Because why? Your identity for 15 years yeah. of reading about uh, you know, Avery and all these other kind of things, and you found the treasure, now what? Mm-hmm. Now you have an identity crisis because you don't have that treasure to go it didn't, after now. It didn't fill the void. It didn't fill it. Yeah. It, it didn't, and it won't, right? Uh, classic Augustine quote. We are restless until we rest in him, right? Ooh. I mean, that's just huge. So, yeah, I mean, and it makes sense that, and that's that's why this game is so cool. Because, like, again, they all acknowledge, they're like, I'm not significant enough to just be secure in myself. And it even takes a step closer and says, like, I can't be satisfied in things, and I, maybe, or what I do. Like, they seem to find the most satisfaction in relationship with one another. That's a good point, man. So, like, I think that points to the highest truth. That, like, your ultimate satisfaction is found in a relationship with the immortal, fixed, you know, permanent, highest being there is. I mean, that's, you know, Philippians 4, like, what, 413 is the one on every t-shirt. Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens <laughs> yeah. me. But really what Paul's saying there is, like, whether I'm doing great or whether my life is an absolute wreck, like, I'm content because I know what my value's in and I know what secures me. No, that's so good, dude. And I mean, and it, it sounds all, like, kind of corny, I guess, in, in a lot of circles, no. but, like, why would you not want your value to be in like a fixed thing rather than something that you might lose or might be corruptible or stolen or, you know? It's a good point, man. Yeah. I, I liked when you were talking about the community aspect too, like in relationships. Mm -hmm. Because like, I, again, like even when uh, Elena saves you and then like Sully's there and then it's like you, Sam, Sully, and Elena. I, I just, yeah. As a gamer, I'm just like, oh man, the crew's back. Yeah, you know? the like, crew's oh, all together. Everything's normal now. Yeah. Right? Like, or take it a step further with their little girl at the end of it. That is like one of the epilogues in a game that has just floored me the most. I'm like, oh, you just like, like not only marriage, but like also like having a kid, which is like further responsibility and you're further like nailed away from your independence and your autonomy. But like that relationship is so rewarding. It's mm, a good point, man. Yeah, it's a good point. And all right. So also talking about marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Again, marriage is such a huge theme in this, in this but it, it does tie our identity yeah, to marriage, it, it does. Like when we when we say I do to our to our wife, to our uh, our husband, like we are no longer one anymore. We are two, mm -hmm. and well, the not, two are one. Two. The two are one. Gosh, yes. But uh, man, like if it wasn't for that identity, and if it wasn't for those covenantal things for mm -hmm. Nate and Elena, which again, by the way, let me be completely honest about this game. Nowhere is like. God ever like recognized to a certain extent. Sure. Right? Religion is recognized mm -hmm. as far as like being moral. You know, if you see that at the mm -hmm. very beginning when Nate's in that orphanage. But like, so we have nothing to say that like, oh, Nate and Nate and Elena are like avid members, but it's just like that's how powerful marriage is though. Yeah. Like that that identity tied those two together. And like, let me be honest, this is really strong for me because one person never forgot about that, Elena. One person did, Nate. Mm, yeah. And it doesn't matter, man. Like, it, it doesn't matter that, like, Nate forgot. Elena still came back. Mm. She almost didn't. And that is probably the realest thing that she probably could have said. In all honesty, yeah. And I think, too, um, I know we had similar, like, premarital counselors, and they walk us through this idea of, like, how covenant is different than contract. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, contract, 
I'll take care of X, Y, Z as long as you take care of A, B, C. Right. You don't fulfill your end of the contract, I'm out. And if I don't fill it, and that puts you in this like tense state of, well, I better do this or they're not going to stick around. Whereas Covenant says like, I don't care what you do. I'm yours and you're mine. If you leave, I'm coming with you. And like Elena demonstrates that perfectly. She even admits how hard it was. Like, I almost didn't come back for you. It doesn't really matter how hard it was for her because ultimately like she wasn't going to let that stand in the way of her marriage. Well done, Naughty Dog. <laughs> <laughs> and that that can remind us though that like, like for again, these are secular writers that are yeah. writing this, and it's just like, okay, you don't necessarily have to be a believer to really understand that to a certain extent. Well, there's that image of God coming out in people, right? Right. Like, there's there's that thing that just longs for goodness and knows really what that goodness is. Yeah, but again, I, as a as a game that's just secular in this aspect, it's like. Look, you know, divorce isn't an option, right? Mm. right? And, and the Christian marriage, like for us, it's like divorce is not an option. And I'm so thankful that this game promotes that. Of just being like, oh, yeah, once you're married, you're always married. Yeah. That's kind of like the, the presupposition that's happening in this game. It's just like, once you're married, you're always married. I so, agree. Dude, oh, man, those covenants, humongous. Like, if, yeah. if even if we wanted to have the application right now, it's just like, remember that covenant that you made, right? Mm. I, I think about it throughout the entire test, Old Testament, Exodus 32, like Moses, remember, like God's like, oh, look, you need to go down. Aaron, Aaron and the rest of the squad, <laughs> they made a golden calf. They're worshiping it, right? And like then like Moses sees it and then like God's like, I'm going to destroy them. And then like Moses just goes, God, remember your covenant. Mm. Gosh, we need to remember that though. Like there's so many things that we just need to reflect upon and just be like, yeah. Like, even in our marriages, like, specifically in this in this context, is like, remember the covenant that I made with Sarah, my wife, right? Yeah. CJ, remember the covenant that you made with yeah. Megan, right? And it's just like, because that powerful, that, man. That's what your vows are. Like, your vows aren't about the present at all. They're all about the future. Marriage, I will be there for it, you. I totally get Marriage never promises that it's always going to be amazing and easy or whatever. Mm-hmm. It just says remember. Yeah. Remember and choose. That's oh, dude, so good. All right, so how does the gospel, um, what does the gospel have to say to redemption? Oh, man, I mean, we could just go on and on about this. Oof. Well, so the funny thing about, I guess if we walk it back a little, the way we walk through the first one is like, you need redemption. Why? Because you let yourself um, put your identity on the wrong thing. You know, you thought you would be your own person. You would be independent. You'd be autonomous. And you chased it. And it didn't really matter what it cost you. So you broke things and you broke people and you broke relationships. Um, I mean, dude, there's just so much stuff here. Man, we could be here all night. Um, I would say, first off, the gospel looks at redemption as like an ultimate finish act by, you know, by Christ. The highest authority, the final person, like the everlasting ancient days or whatever titles you want to give them. Sure. And I think, for starters, it's good to look at that idea of authority with him. Yep. They're like, when he offers that redemption, like, no one's going to no one's gonna jeopardize that. Mm, that's a good point. No one's going to shake it. And so that, just my little side note here about the, um, the authorities you see in this. You know, you got Avery running from the authorities. But really, in the beginning, what I thought about the most was, like, you have Sister Catherine again. She's that hypocritical, toxic authority. Duffy's the better authority. Because, like, he can override her and he's interested in your good. But Sam and Drake still don't love him because he guilts them. Like, he makes them, like, he's very inconvenient for them. He's constantly reminding them, like, right and wrong. And so there's this idea, I think, like, 
That's what Christ redeemed us from because we think we don't need him and we find him inconvenient. So we want to walk away from him. It's like, yeah, I mean, for God and liberty, right? Like God's fine. He's going to bless my pirate haven and he's going to bless my crops and my grandma. But like, now I don't poisoned. want to, yeah, like <laughs> I don't want to be beholden to anybody here. Like point. I don't want to deal with him. And so like, that's what we all balk at. Like mm. that's, that's the most tragic truth in the gospel is like, we all looked at God and said, no, thanks. Yeah. And God in his covenant to us said, no, no, I'm coming after you. Yeah. So it's a good point. Depending on your theological system, most people, some people would <laughs> say that redemption is the meta narrative throughout the entire Bible, right? Mm, From yeah. Genesis, well, and it's it's tricky. It's like, whoa, what about Genesis one and two, right? Genesis ever since Genesis three to Revelation, you have this meta narrative of redemption. God is trying to redeem his people, dude. What are we thinking about right now? It's just like we're living in this now and not yet. And what is creation? Creation is yearning for that last day. Where mm-hmm. Every every tear will be wiped. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more sadness. And all things will be made new, right? Yeah. We long for that redemption. Like, I, I, even in those moments for Nate where he's just like, you know how you can be useful, Sully? Go after her. You know? Mm. How about, I'm not going to go after my wife, but you need to go after her. Yeah. Right? That way I can still but do like, the thing I want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's because his identity is kind of getting tested there. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, we're trying to save uh, Sam. It's like, no, you're not. Hmm. Yeah. No, you're not. And I love that. I mean, even like he has that conversation earlier with uh, Soli. Like Soli's just like, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't enjoying myself. And then like, yeah. you know, Nate just kind of scoffs. He's like, yeah, yeah me too. You know? Yeah. Like, and I think Soli's like, wait, weren't you doing this for Sam? And Nate's just like, why can't it be both? You exactly. know, like he's really, he's really stammering but on like, that. But like literally, I, you know, Honestly, your emotions might get high or whatever for that identity. Your identity is being challenged because Elena was definitely doing that to him. But mm. I bet when he laid his head down at night, that night specifically, he was just like, what have I done? Yeah. Well, and he longed for that redemption. Yeah. And, and you watch what happens like when we've broken something and we know we're in the wrong. Like, what's he do? Elena uh, points out. She's like, you want to lie to me? Fine. Like, stop lying to yourself. Yeah. Like he does everything he can to justify it in the same way. Like he's worried about killing all these people earlier in the game. And Sam's like, ah, Rafe's a bad guy. It's fine if we do this to him. And then later on in the game, Rafe's like, hey, we're all thieves going for something that doesn't belong to us. Like we're constantly trying to show that we don't need that reconciliation and redemption. Like, no, no, I know there's a right and wrong somehow. Um, but but I'm not in the wrong. Like I get a special exemption here. Like, That's this, a good point. I, you know, I get, I get the loophole and it's like that. That's not how it goes. Like, either there's right and wrong or there isn't. Yeah. And, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, redemption, again, we see that in Ephesians 2, but God, right? We get that bad news at the very beginning of you were You're dead, dead in sin. sin. You were uh, sons of disobedience of the air, all this other kind of stuff. Um, Dr. Ham, one of my teachers, used to say, yeah, we were devil worshipers. And he's like, how does that make you feel? <laughs> like, he would just stare at us. It's like, yeah. oh, wow. And then like, but God, being rich in mercy, mm-hmm. by his son, redeemed you. Yeah. Through the blood of, of, yeah. of Jesus Christ. This is like, wow. Like, you want to know where peace is? Peace for, peace for Nate was settling and grinding out that conflict with, with uh, Elena, but like having that redemption with her. Mm. He messed up so bad, man. He messed up so bad. And Elena still came back. And let, like that is probably the most refreshing thing because guess what? The gospel is not bound to just marriage covenants. Right. The gospel is for all, right? Mm. <laughs> I, I can make some people kind of 
you know, rattling their seats a little bit. But like, well, we won't talk about Calvinists <laughs> right now. Like, no, seriously, like it's just was one of those things where like that is for all though. Yeah. For any context, mm-hmm. wherever you are, wherever wherever you are, whatever you've done. Yeah. You God wants to redeem you. Oh my gosh. Man. So and that's and I know you know Naughty Dog they're. Definitely not a Christian organization. They wouldn't be like, oh, well, the, the true meaning of this is like redemption in Christ. Like, and we can't expect that from them. But the one word that the gospel-centered worldview would apply to this redemption is grace. Sure. And like Elena's act of coming after Nate wouldn't be so beautiful if Nate hadn't so royally like broken things. Yeah. Like his the size of his error is like it only makes her gracious act to him all the more wonderful. And so like I think that's like Christ's final word, like we we did the worst thing in the world. Like we sinned against, hated, rebelled, murdered, you know, on the cross, like the most perfect, loving, wonderful, beautiful being ever. And he still said, No, I want you to be mine. Yeah. Gosh, man. I mean what? So like when yeah when redemption plays in a like a theme mm-hmm. like in a video game or a movie it's just like yeah like how is it how great is it to be redeemed you know to have redemption between this like Elena and Nate but it's like how great is it to like be redeemed by mm-hmm. look Nate in those moments right knows his like what he did against Elena but guess what we didn't know what we did against Christ we were dead in our sin. Yeah. We were dead. We couldn't just even yearn for reconciliation yeah. or redemption. And we wouldn't have cared even if we'd known. No. No. Yeah. Never. And so the fact that like in, in his infinite love, Christ comes to us in our dead state mm-hmm. to make us alive. Yeah. But but it was out of the grace of God by sending Christ to become like us. Mm-hmm. And Ephesians two talks about that he pretty much he gave up all the kingship. Yeah, I mean, Christ deserves to be on a throne, right? And He gave up all of that to be get to get low with us, yeah, so that we would rise with Him. I mean, well, this is crazy. And, and your point earlier on how Elena's forgiveness allows Nate to forgive Sam, like Christ gave up everything for us, and then um, Paul, I think, you know, still in Philippians where he talks about like everything. I would just count this all as bullcrap, right? For Christ, yep. Like I'd willingly give it all up just because He means so much to me, and so Nate's able to be like. Okay, Sam doesn't deserve anything that I'm about to do, but that's my brother, and I'm gonna go get him. And Nate learns that though. N- Nate literally learns how to count that treasure as rubbish. Mm, yeah, because he has Elena. Yeah, and like it's been inter- it was interesting because like you know Elena comes back, and then they're they're going to New Devon, and like uh, Sam's kind of talking or Nate's kind of talking about like you know the details, and he's getting carried away. Yeah, and then he looks at Elena, and he's like, "Sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry, whoops." Yeah. You can kind of see that that passion, inception. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's getting up there again, but like, yeah. like Nate understands that. It's just like, nah, man, this ain't worth it. If I lose her, what was it worth? Yeah. It's like, for us now in this context of in Christ, it's like, if I have Christ, why this? Mm-hmm. Why this? And like CJ, let me be honest, like, I, I struggle with that daily. It's like, oh, I could probably use another book. Sure. Oh, I could probably use another video game. Oh, I could probably use another like whatever it is. Yeah. And it's just like when is it ever enough? I'm 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 Nate. I'm Sam. Hundred percent. I'm solely right. Yeah, we I'm both just, are. And like, I think, and everybody can relate to those characters because we're all there. Mm-hmm. We are are we're looking for that satisfaction, but in Christ we and, find it. And even after, I mean, your point about Nate sort of 
like getting caught away uh, with that. The idea of the treasure again was so good because like that's who we are in Christ. Like, yes, we've experienced that grace, that mercy. We know that we're like unshakably saved, but we still find ourselves being like, man, that treasure would be so good. Like that? Oh, Man, sorry. That PS5 sorry. would be so good. Wouldn't it, though? <laughs> Only one of us has to uh, covet that right now because the other one's got it. But it's so, but it's funny because, like, all the things that we talk about in this game, you know, these people are all looking for security and value and redemption for when they messed up. And they all want this idea of, like, freedom and, like, what if you could find all that in one person? Yeah, not, like, not in something. <clears throat> yeah. In someone. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, again, going back to Druckmann saying, like, obsessions cost you, like, what if you wanted something and it didn't cost you anything? Like, all the highest good that we want, even if it is subconscious, like, there is no cost to us. Yeah. Christ paid that. And now it's, like, in a sense, do we have to give up everything, which is kind of Nate giving up the treasure? Like, yeah, you come to Christ open-handed, as C.S. Lewis says, like, you don't come as a sick person needing healed. Like, you come as a rebel to lay down arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you come and you let go of everything, but, like, all the stuff you let go of, you see that it was just worthless anyway. And then you get everything good that is just everlasting. And I'm not even talking about, like, oh, you get to go to paradise where you're never sick or you're never dead. Like, you get God. Yeah. I, I think, again, on the flip side, you got Nathan Drake that's, like, learning that through somebody's choice, Atlanta's choice, right? But, like, Elena manifested that by just simply remembering. Yeah. Right? Simply remembering the covenant that she had with Nate. But, like, for us, it's, like, simply remembering that of Christ's love. Mm. Man. It, it, you know what? It sounds so silly. It sounds so silly. It's like, oh, I want another video game. But it's like, hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. I have Christ, though. Yeah. Like, all those identity, those idols, right, that are calling out for us. Like, These for things Nathan, that you think will free you or satisfy you. In Uncharted, it's the treasure, right? Yeah. And for us, it's like whatever it is. It's, there's something always calling out for our identity, right? Yeah. So it's just like, you know, I love it. it Ephesians 6, putting on the armor of God. And one, one guy says, the implication here is that if you don't put it on, you're vulnerable. Man, mm-hmm. let us wake up every day. Just strap on our armor, right? Good stuff. Uh, so uh, where did, like... See so what now? <laughs> <laughs> gospel, like the gospel, has a lot to say about these things. The gospel does have a lot to say about art in, in this specific instance. And two Uncharted Four, mm. dude, you and me probably could have gone on for about five more hours, maybe, and extracted more and more. But I'm sure, the audience. I can't even believe it. that was two, really. But yeah. like identity and redemption, those play huge roles. Yeah. Um, but I think that's it, man. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, for our time, we're gonna try to do these about an hour and a half long. I mean, this is going over just a little bit. I think we're about nearing about yeah. two hours, maybe. Uh, we had the intro. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll sharpen it up. Don't worry, everyone. Yeah. So uh, a few things uh, for our listeners. We're not gonna necessarily like iron this uh, this game out in, in a sense where it's like, all right, here was the introduction, and we're just gonna pl- do the play by play and mm-hmm. tell you the entire plot. Uh, each month we're going to come out with a new podcast and we're just going to assume that you're going to play this. So, yeah. uh, and I guess we should probably said spoiler alert, but, um, for the folks out there like me, yeah, who are just getting <laughs> to some of this stuff. Cause obviously we're jumping around. We, I mean, like there's different spots that we can kind of bring up and talk yeah. about the worldview, but anyway, so we're just going to kind of go off this assumption that you're going to play this game before we start discussing it like that. Um, uh, so next next month next month we're gonna actually record at the end of every the last Monday of every month and then I'll be able to uh, publish it sometime that week. But next month 
We're playing Ghosts of um, Tsushima. Tsushima. Oh. <laughs> We're going to get that katana. I'm already bro. in it. <laughs> and I get to play in 60 frames per second in the PlayStation 5. So happy for you. But so. I get to play. So I cannot wait to get back on a horse and just go around and all the flowers and the, the leaves and the wind. We'll save it for the next one. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> excited about that. So anyway, this is Bren Brothers and Laud. We hope you guys have enjoyed this conversation. I know me and CJ have. For real. And so, again, next month we're doing Ghost of Tsushima. Get the game. If you haven't bought it, please go buy it. If you don't have a PlayStation, please buy that. I don't even know what you're doing by it's this a time. small task to ask people. <laughs> yeah. Poor, like, our cousin. You know, just like, he's been looking he'll, for a PlayStation he'll, since, he'll get there. He'll get there. Since Vietnam. But anyway. This one's for you, Nick. <laughs> we hope this has been a, a, an engaging uh, conversation, but also fruitful too. As yep. we we can look at art, especially video games right now, especially and we kind of talked about this, but like a lot of people, you know, even I can't. I feel like I'm gonna kind of be embarrassed saying something like this. Of like, hey, I do a video a podcast on video games. Like, yeah, and it it seems like our culture kind of oh, you're promotes a nerd, a nerd, and oh, you're immature. Why are you yeah. playing video games? Yeah. You're a married man and you're still playing video games. You mm-hmm. have children. You're. It's just like okay. Easy, right? Yeah. But um, I think it can be really fruitful for, uh, I mean, again, 3.1 billion people play video games. So we, and we think that uh, the gospel is about to say these kind of things. So we do. Anyway, it's been fun. Join us next month. And until then, we'll see you guys. All right, DT. All right, see you.